0: Hello and welcome to this week's show. How are you? Hope you're well. Um, this week is uh well a bit something a bit special really because it's a Q&A. It's a Q&A that I did back in uh, May of this year with um, stunt coordinator and stuntman Paul Weston after a screening of Licence to Kill at the Prince Charles Cinema uh, just off Leicester Square in London's glittering West End um, for a, a, a decent packed house, to be fair. We had a good crowd of people come down um from many a podcast were down there uh the spy hard boys were down there and uh it was great to see lots of people sam rogers was down there um and many many regulars that you'll see um when you uh when you go around the uh, the bond community on twitter so it was good to see them all down there they watched the movie and then uh, Paul and myself did a bit of a Q&A afterwards. And this is what you are about to hear, uh, courtesy of those lovely folk at Really007Pod. And, of course, thanks to the Pod Dojo Network for making it all possible in the first place. So here we go. What's always interesting uh, watching a movie like that with other bond fans is obviously the fact that uh, all the laughs are in the right place and everybody's enjoying the same thing when you're watching it with somebody who's in it it's always quite interesting as well and the fact of the matter is that paul's in it a lot um as the stunt coordinator nowadays a lot of stunt coordinators tend to have a team of people who will provide the action and they coordinate the action with them but uh, license to kill is a very good example of uh, of paul being in the thick of it a lot, he does the first gag in the picture, which is doubling Robert Darby jumping from the the jeep into the hedge row, mm-hmm. and then the big fire gag at the end, and you're you're in it about half a doubling queue, uh, falling off the chair and doing all of that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What was that like to 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 work on from from your point of view? I mean, because originally mm-hmm. the last. M- Before the Timothy Dalton's, the last movie that you really worked on was was uh, uh, Octopussy, a stunt supervisor.
1: Yes, yes. Um,
0: Yes. So uh, you were originally supposed to be coordinating on A View to a Kill, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Two weeks before we were supposed to go to uh, San Francisco. um, um, Barbara said to me, um, uh, Martin wants to do it on his own. He was a a Martin Grace was um, Roger's double um, and uh, he he had the accident on uh, on Octopussy, and he wanted to um, become the uh, the sole um, supervisor on that. So, two weeks before, I was a member of the tarmac club, waving the plane goodbye. So, yes,
0: off to off to bigger and better things. Um, but then, of course, the type of action that you see in these in these movies is very different from the Roger action. Um, uh, uh, Roger with a lot of the dialogue would let you know a couple of pages beforehand i'm going to do a funny line in a minute and prepare you for it right well similarly with the action on the timothy pictures it's not the sort of action that you would associate roger with for instance in the character of Bond so what sort of conscious decision did you have to make in order to change that type of action around and make it make it more him
1: well when we started the living daylights yeah. timothy okay. and i spoke about it and we looked through the storyboards we had four minutes at the beginning of the movie to make Timothy Doughton a new Bond. And he wanted to make it really real. He wanted to do it the way Daniel Craig is doing it now. Um, He said, if I get a a punch on the nose, I I want my nose to be red for the next two scenes. If I get kicked in the leg, I want to limp. Uh, And I I said, "Well, you know, I don't know if, you know, Cubby wants to go that way. So he had a talk with Cubby and Cubby said no after Roger just sort of brushing <laughs> his hair back and and carrying on um, it's it was fantasy um, <clears throat> but uh, Timothy wanted to make it real uh, and we really had to slow him down um, he, got to, he got a lot of the stuff he wanted to do which was a much uh, more vicious uh, bond than uh, uh, Roger had been but um, yeah we just had to Try to uh, appease Gubby and, and the, the audience, but he really did want you to make it uh, much more vicious.
0: It's also the, 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 the case in these type of pictures of bringing in specialists. Up until this point, there'd been lots of people within the British and American stunt performers who were very capable of doing all of the bits and pieces. But you know that when you get a sequence like Bond skis behind a plane barefoot. You know, you've got to do your best to try and right. Who wants the job? And all the stunt guys are going, no, no, not me. Thank you. No, there's got to be somebody else who can do it. So you had to find a guy, David Reinhardt, who kind of, I suppose he invented it, did he?
1: Well, he was the Florida champion at that time, uh, barefoot water skiing. You have to go at 47 miles an hour, I think, to get up onto your feet. You drop your your skis and then you go on one foot and then the other foot um, and you take off or you, you can do it from a special uh, bar from behind a, a, a very speedy boat. Mm-hmm. The problem was, um, <coughs> he was brilliant at it. Uh, and when we came to do it, we obviously had him on um, skis. And what he was going to do was just drop one ski and drop the other ski. And once he hit the water, the, the, tra- uh, the plane wasn't strong enough to pull him out of the water. So the, every time we, we tried the plane, the plane would get us as fast as it could <clears throat> and he would hit the water and the plane would stop. Just the dragness of his body on the water, we couldn't get him to do it. So what I had to do in the end is got uh, some plastic um, <laughs> skis about this big uh, with um, clamps on them and he was able to do it. He, we, we were able to get the plane to go take him out of the water as long as he got up as fast as he could onto uh, his little skis but I still couldn't get him to catch the plane up because it, the plane just didn't go fast enough it was still a drag uh, so what I had to do was uh, have the, him go out and uh, pull himself out as far as he could away from the plane and then I got the plane to turn into him so that they, he could actually meet it up meet up with it and that's what we did on that occasion
0: and of course with that sequence as well catching the plane is one thing but then transferring to it is a different thing and paul did the transfer uh, and you appear to hit the plane like a ton of bricks yes. at the time. <clears throat> yes, it was a bit heavy. Uh, I, I know that just uh, we'll just cover this before we go to uh, questions from the audience, but it's, it was a, a fairly painful experience, if, I, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, it was, I, and I wanted to make it look right and, and, and be a sort of continuity because he, he, he was being towed by a, a spear gun cable. I thought, right, what I'll do is I'll have a piece of wood just hanging on the end of the cable so that when we took off, you could actually see the the, piece, the, the spear gun or the, the cable. As it happened, I hit the, the side of the plane and we, we took off. And that was me hanging on the side and I dropped my legs down. There's no cables, you're just hanging on to the side. So we were going up. Who needs CGI? Yeah. So I swung down and got up again. And as I was laying there it was like somebody hit my soles of my feet with a, a baseball bat. It just went whack, and I thought, where does that come from? And what it was is that the piece of wood got stretched on the piece on the rope and came up like a, a catapult, like a on a bungee, came up and hit my f- feet. If it had gone around the ailerons or, or around the plane, we would have gone in, but it, lucky enough it didn't, uh, and I was able to carry on and climb up and... Uh, then uh, the next sequence is the uh, aerial unit they did a fantastic job um, once you get over I went up to about 200 feet they once they get up to you know 500 feet there uh, on parachutes and uh, they do the rest of it.
0: Bj uh, Bj Worth and his team doing that, but uh, it's uh, the amount of stuff that you did in that film is extraordinary. I was, I was just saying at the, at the top of this that nowadays they would get other other performers to do it. Did you? Were you always going to do like, for instance, the um, the Hemingway House, mm-hmm. the jump from the balcony? Down, that's you. Were you always going to do that, or was it just a case of, of not because Simon Simon? Crane yeah, Simon was, was doubling, wasn't
1: yeah. it? Yeah, so I, I I think I'd sent Simon off somewhere else. Uh, So, Simon,
0: get me some tea, would you, going to do this job?
1: uh, I don't know, uh, he might have gone, uh, he wasn't down in Florida with us at the time at Key West, so I did it myself. So a lot of times things happen and you just have to step in and make sure that uh, the job's done.
0: The uh, doubling queue was quite nice as well, you just, uh, (laughs) you elbowed me. That's me.
1: Yes, but I, I'd forgotten about, about that. you forgotten about it. As soon as I saw him going through the door, I thought, that was me. I had a great week on. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, yeah, so a double cue as well. The magic of
0: cinema, marvellous. Uh, so uh, if, what we're going to do is we're going to try and um, open this up to to the audience there. Uh, there are microphones, I believe. Uh, people will have microphones at the side of the stage. When I say there are people, there is a young lady here with a microphone. Uh, and if you would like to ask a question uh, in relation to the movie or Bond or to Paul's career, simply put your hand up. There's a hand right over here uh, and there is a microphone coming to you. And there we go, right, fire away, my friend. It's not on, but you do have a microphone. We didn't say it was gonna work. Ah, there we are, no, take two, as you were. Oh
1: God, sorry. Thank you so much for joining us, Paul. My, my pleasure. pleasure. Anyway, um, I was actually asked to ask you by a colleague about the fire burn for Robert Darby
0: at the end. i have been told it was anything but standard, whatever that means.
1: Yes, yes. Well, um, I wasn't supposed to do the job. I'd already booked uh, an American stunt guy to do it. Uh, And the day before we were going to shoot, uh, he came to me and he said, look, if I leave tonight, I can go to L.A. and get a job for maybe two months. I said, OK, go ahead, go and do it. I don't know whether he really had a job or he just didn't fancy (laughs) doing a full burn.
0: Tossed a coin and gone, no,
1: thank you. So, because fire is dangerous, it's one of our most dangerous uh, stunts we do. Uh, you can't run away from fire. Once it's on you, somebody, you have to put it out or somebody else has to. I once saw a, a, um, a Special effects guy uh, standing by an explosion and he was hiding behind a, um, a low wall, but uh, a, a fire sort of gel fell on his back and he screamed and he ran. And we couldn't touch him. We couldn't get him to put him out. He really burnt his he, he toys, clothes off in the end. But um, so, yeah, it's a very dangerous job. So I said, leave your, your mask, your glove, And he had a three-minute uh, air bottle. Um, <clears throat> and once you go on air, uh, once you put your mask on, you have to go on air because you you can't breathe. You've got gel on um, a sort of uh, balaclava. Uh, uh, safety masks and then you've got your rubber mask on the top and I had three minutes of air and I figured that by the time the wardrobe messed about putting the making sure the collar was right under his shirt and the uh, makeup department the hair department put my uh, wig on I'd say about a minute would would be gone then getting me into position on the set be another 30 seconds and then the guys have got to gel me up. So I figured I'm going to have about a minute left on air. Um, so they put me in position, and you put you put your little tube in your mouth, and you you suck it up one side and you blow out the other. So, so you're trying to get your air into your mouth. Um, so they st- stood me in position. I could I just see there was a scratch in one of the glass uh, glasses that you have on underneath the mask. Um, and I could just see Timothy Dalton sitting opposite me, looking very apprehensive. <laughs> and uh, I'd I really told him, I said, as soon as they hit me with fire, run, just get out of the way because it, it will get hot. Did, so he didn't just, need
0: uh, telling twice. I
1: know, <laughs> well, so I, I said, okay, um, stand by. I mean, they said to me, okay, uh, stand by. And I was in position and I was breathing and they uh, gelled me up. And I figured I got I want to be on fire for about twenty seconds that's a, a it's a lot twenty seconds of a full burn um so I, I figured I had a, 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 almost a minute left. They said turn over and hold it hold it there's a problem with the camera oh. so I'm going oh, but the it took Seems to go. Forever, but it was probably only a few more seconds. And I said, Okay, turn over, roll cameras, and action. And woof, I was up in flames, and all I could see was colors uh, and through this crack. And I went, Nothing, nothing. And I thought, Don't panic, just try to blow out and then see if you can get something in. And I blew out sideways. And I tried to suck. It was like sucking treacle up a tube. It was a little bit of air came in, and then I had to do the job. So I then fell over. Um, Timothy had gone by then. I fell over on my knees, got up. It's only a short version you see on here.
0: Even the edited, I mean, even the long version, yeah. is, you do tend to lose a, a yeah. great deal of the movement that you were doing.
1: Yeah. So I went. I, I figured. out I rehearsed. I was going alongside the truck feel the truck, and then there was a, a flame bar on the floor uh, that they were going to bring up, big flames. Uh, once I'd fallen through it, uh, they were going to um, bring the rest of it up as though it all blown up. And I put rocks along the floor, and I could feel them with my feet, and then fell forward, and then they brought it all up. And that's when the old boys come in and they put you out and I was out of air by then. You just hope that they're going to get to you quick enough. And they pulled the mask off and pulled me to my feet and uh, they were shaking my hand. Oh, great job, great job. That's when I was burning. The heat was, you know, heat transference through the costume. It was getting hotter and hotter and it dissipated fairly quickly, but I was going, oh, that's all right, it's all right. <laughs> oh, so yeah, it was, a, it was a nice job to have done. But um, I don't know whether I would have needed another minute would have helped.
0: (laughs) Do remember that next time when you see fire jobs on screen? That Not only is he remembering, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. He's then remembering, I've got to act. Oh, and I've got to try and keep myself alive by blowing down and (laughs) sucking up this tube, desperately trying to find this It's Extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. And you say yourself there, in the edit... Um, uh, you, you've explained yourself that the, the movements that you did during that take are far greater than the edit, mm, you know, yes. uh, and uh, I'm personally, I'm biased, but I think you've got mugged in the edit. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? But uh, that, that, that's uh, yeah, evidently they, the they shot.
1: felt that it was too too violent and too um, upsetting. Yeah.
0: The head exploding was fine, yeah. but yeah. you being on fire for a bit <laughs> yeah. too long, uh, you know. Um, in the old days, of course, in the days of, of, uh, of fire jobs of that nature, uh, I think it was Royal Lunn was telling me once he said, I did his first fire job. A fellow, Terry Terry Walsh, Walsh, rushed up to him and said, Here, quick, put this in your pocket. He, he said, Right, okay, put it in his pocket, did the fire job. And then he came up to him after and said, Can I have it? He said, What? He said, In your pocket. And he went, What is it? And he said, A baked potato. <laughs> yeah, it's sort yeah of wicked sense so. of humour. Any other questions? Anybody else want to ask? this hands up if we can find. Uh, Anyone you want to go to? There's a, a gentleman here at the front. Okay, thank you, Bob. Um, I was wondering, were there any stunts during License Skill Kill, any other productions you are in, where the actors themselves do the stunts that perhaps they shouldn't have done? Oh, topical questions now we're doing
1: yeah. this. Uh, most uh, actors want to do their own stunts uh, until they get a little hurt, and then they don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Their ego usually um, uh, takes over in the beginning. When they're first starting, Roger never needed to, to prove himself. So he never wanted to do any stunts. He never... Um, but a lot of actors, young actors, want to do them. And you, uh, like when I first got Timothy, I hadn't worked with him. I knew he was a great stage actor. But putting him on top of that uh, Jeep on um, uh, Living Daylights, I had a choice. I could have tied him on there. And he wouldn't have been able to move and he would have been safe. But if the Jeep had turned over on the corner or something, he would have been crushed into it. So I, I just had to decide that uh, whether he was strong enough to hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I put um, handholds on the top of the Jeep. Um, and I put a platform on the, on the uh, right-hand side of the Jeep that you couldn't see from uh, the camera. And I was on there, I was wired on there, and every time he put his, uh, he got a bit too brave and put his leg over, I would whack his leg and make sure he got back on. Put that back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, they do, They do. Roger never wanted to. I remember uh, one time we'd done all the stuff on He running over to the top of the train, diving over pipes, under bridges. And we sort of got him into the studios and got him on top of the train, and we uh, did all the close-ups and and whatever, and then there was one time we had to. They brought the whole train, I mean a big coach, from Peterborough into the studios so that he could climb up and get on top. And he sat there in his <laughs> in his deck chair. And John Glenn said to him, "Okay, uh, this uh, p- Paul will show you what you what you got to do." I was d- d- dressed like him anyway. I was doubling him, so. Um, He said, "Okay," And so I climbed up and got onto the top of the train and uh, Roger said, "Uh, John, do do you want me to look down at the camera? He said, no, 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 just climb straight up. He said, well, Paul can do that. (laughs) And I did it in the studio. (laughs) So, yeah, he didn't have to prove anything, but. He was a very funny guy.
0: Different, different breed, completely. Um, uh, now, I've, there's a the gentleman here in the white jumper here, because if, uh, if Phil doesn't ask a question, he'll burst. Um, so there we are. There's a, is going over to you oh. now. Hello. Uh, That's on. I've uh, well, I that you
1: probably in lots of my favourite films, however, um, including the Great Top Secret, if you remember being Yes, I was. Um, I was. I was croissant. <laughs> the French one, yes.
0: Yeah, it was a great film on that one. But um, my question is about Moonmaker, because I know that you've, uh, you've... You've quite a few parts in Moonraker, And uh, I know that he was involved in the space battle in Moonmaker. I wonder if you've got any recollections of, uh, of that particular sequence?
1: Yes, it was um, all shot... The, um, uh, that sequence was on uh, 007 stage. They covered the whole Moscow's fortunes of black velvet all the way around 007 stage. There must have been uh, probably a dozen of us on wires uh, coming out of the um, space uh, shuttle, lifting up. And we had four packs on our back that were lasers that worked. So we could actually be traveling along and these things and lasers would work but they were very heavy and when you're, you're flying uh, you're being pulled up you're on uh, harnesses under your crutch and with that weight there was no way of getting the weight to go anywhere else so your eyes were watered most of the time um, and you were hanging there for a long time and a couple of times I, I looked over and one of the guys would go mm. <laughs> Absolutely pass out. <clears throat> it's because the blood's not getting to your to your brain. Um, so yeah, it or was Or anyone painful. else for that matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, um, yeah, I, it was it was painful. Um, but we did some great shots. So I was, um, I got shot in close up, which was nice, coming out of um, the uh, the shuttle, and then Derek Medding said to me. Paul, get right down the other end of the stage on a platform. And I, I was the first guy out for the for, on the villain side. So I probably shot myself, <laughs> which I've done lots of time in my career. I tell you.
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, it's half the half the half the fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Look, I've just shot my, the same in uh, GoldenEye is another example. There's a stuntman called Paul Heisman who Him and Gary Powell killed themselves about five times in the in the pre-title yeah. sequence. Um, any more questions? Any more hands up? There's a couple of hands down here at the front. Here we go. Um, hello. Um, I just wanted to know or have your memories. How great was it working with
1: Al Harper? Brilliant genius producer. Remembering, remembering Cubby. Lovely. Oh, Cubby was wonderful. Yeah, he was a lovely man. He was a, a true uh, old style professional producer. What he said went. You asked for something and he didn't think it would work. He'd go, no. <laughs> and that was it. He knew the business so well. I remember at one time we were uh, in doing uh, Living Daylights on the frozen lake. Um, and the boys, the stunt guy, uh, the uh, special effects guys needed a big crane to come in and, and pick up the um, Aston Martins. And, and put them on the cannon, which was going to be shot over the, the border, over the, the fence. Um, and they said, please, can we have it? And the production manager said, no, no, you, it's too expensive. And we all sat and I remember sitting in a big boardroom going through this, checking out things, what we need for next week. And one of the other stunt, uh, uh, special effects guys, anyway, they, he asked, Kirby, he said, can we have this? And he, he said to the uh, uh, production manager, can I have that? And he said, no, it's too expensive. And he said, uh, John, do you need it? And John said, yeah. He said, give it to him. And that was it. He got the biggest crane he needed. To, and it saved like two days work. Instead of physically trying to lift the, this um, Aston Martin into position in 20 below on the frozen lake, he got it but that was Cubby and he was the loveliest man you could ever miss, wish to meet. On the lake he would, when all the boys were working on the lake, but soon as they came into the hotel at night, give them all a drink uh, and when uh, when the, the lake was uh, needed to be cleared, because the snow was laying on the lake which is like um, uh, a blanket on it and the, the ice melts underneath So they had bulldozers and um, uh, vehicles clearing the the snow off the top. And he said to Barbara, look after the boys. And she went out there with bottles of brandy at night uh, and giving all the the drivers a a swig of brandy. So yeah, he was a lovely man.
0: I think it's maybe it's another reason why um that period that roger period particularly was was so successful because it was a, it was effectively a one-man operation the the fact that whatever it was mm. he wanted you know if we need roger for another movie well we'll just play backgammon
1: yeah hope
0: for the best and then whoever wins yeah okay i'll do another one you know it was, yeah. it was the old school really old-fashioned yes, sort of yeah.
1: stuff but lovely man lovely man
0: um we've got a few more minutes left any more questions anybody want to ask any questions there's hands up at the back of the room Yes, so we'll get we'll the get mic over to you. There we go, it is en route to you as we speak.
1: Roger was a lovely man, he was so funny. The times that um, he would take time out to make a gag. I remember one time we were doing an octopussy and he was climbing from the balcony in the Indian Palace and he was going into Octopus's room but he had to climb over, it was about 12 feet off the ground and he had to step over this and there was a gap between the two uh, balconies and I said to John Glenn, "Wouldn't it be great as as he's stepping over, um, we could have some bird pigeons go up in front of in, uh, in front of the camera. It's a low angle camera, and we could have some pigeons go up, be frighten the audience, and it you know, frighten the uh, <laughs> Roger." So it, he said, "Yeah, okay, you're the pigeon wrangler." I said, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> so I said that in the morning, I said to the prop department. Can you get me half a dozen or a dozen pigeons? And they said, Yeah, like it was going out for a bottle of milk. <laughs> Where, where'd yeah. you get the dozen pigeons? Uh, so, anyway, in the afternoon, we <clears throat> all set it all up. I'm standing on a box under the camera, looking up, because the, the, the balcony was up there. So I said, Pigeon, they put one pigeon under one arm, pigeon under the other arm. One uh, on this side, one that side. So I'm standing on the box, ready to go. Roger starts to walk across, turn over, action. And Roger says, hold it, hold it, I've got to go to the loo. So he gets down, goes all the way over to wherever he's going. Came back, it was about five, eight minutes. So So I put the pigeons back. Now I've got to get them out. Pigeon, 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 pigeon. Standing on the box, ready to go. The camera's just above my head, and action. And he starts to crawl across. And as he steps across, I let the pigeons go. Woof, up they go. All the feathers come flying down, and an egg hit me on the head, <laughs> swim down my face. Roger was in hysterics as the crew was. He'd gone all the way over to the canteen to get a, 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 a fresh egg so he could drop it on my head. That was. That was Roger. He was any gag he, he could do.
0: <laughs> could you see Daniel Craig doing this? Yeah, maybe not. Um, right. Uh, question from the back of the room. Yeah. Do you think the action and tone of the violence and license
1: to kill was a, a good, uh, welcome change to way for what we have now? Paul? Well, um, we... I mean... When we were doing it, it was, you know, good old-fashioned punch-ups. You get a little bit of um, sort of uh, martial arts come into it, depending on on the film. But mostly people don't know martial arts. So everyone in in the movies now knows martial arts and they're fantastic at it. But um, it was good old-fashioned bar and draws when we first started. I started in the 60s. No, no, I hear you say it's not too, too young. <laughs> Surely not. But yes, I did start in the 60s, so it was, um, it was extras uh, becoming stuntmen and a few sort of um, uh, PT instructors and army sort of instructors that came in to becoming stunts. So uh, it took probably when we started um, having to compete with the born identity, I think, on the bonds, uh, it started having to to become more violent and and. To, to keep up with with the modern trend of, of fighting.
0: What I always found fascinating with that comparison is that the people who made the action on the born Identity are the people who made the action on Quantum of Solace. You know, it is the same team of people, more yeah, or less, yeah, yeah. You know, so they're just taking that action and going, well, that really works yeah. in this, let's try it over there as well. So I think, I mean, even Batman knows um,
1: yeah, yeah. martial
0: arts these days, you know, all this sort of stuff, yes, so it's, yeah. uh, it, it progresses as time goes on. Um, for a couple more questions more hands at the back of the room there there's some hands in the middle there we go
1: um i was looking at your there you, you were, were looking at my what, what? sorry Your proof oh
0: my I'm not oh not <laughs> mine i was going to say it's been a long time since i've had that up yes indeed it's my
1: favorite movie i've seen the Cinema as well i just wondered if you have any memories and what it was like working on that it was wonderful um to work with um uh james cameron he's a very hard taskmaster he wants to put his thumb on every every department but i got on very well with him and um my task was to uh he first said to me i don't want men in rubber suits Uh, i don't want to look like men in rubber suits um so i had to come up with ideas of, of what using wires Um, and uh, different tricks so that they look like creatures. At one stage I had um, the guys and I had to have tall, thin guys um, to to, uh, be uh, the aliens Um, and one time I had them with uh, uh, casters on their chest so that their chest was on the floor their arms were uh, 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 this shape and uh, I had their the tails on wires, on a, like a, uh, fishing wires, so they could run along the floor. So they, they really looked like scorpions. And another time, <clears throat> uh, I, we built sets upside down so that they, when they look, I don't know if you, well, you remember the film, but uh, when they're in the command center and uh, he looks up and he, they see them coming through the roof. And they lift, he lifts up the, the panel and sees them upside down coming towards him and coming on, on the flat. So, what we did was build the whole set upside down and we had them on wires, some facing that way, some facing that way. So that when they, you uh, uh, cut it together, it looked like they were running towards you, but one of them was running along the ceiling. Uh, and when we did, came to um, having the Queen, I had to have two guys in the body of the queen to operate the small arms and then operate the second arm. They had two small arms and two big ones. So I had them upside down uh, on their sides, uh, operating those. They were back to back. back. It took like 30 people to operate the the queen. When she stood up, she was like uh, 14 feet high when she stood up. Um, So there was someone on the head, somebody on the teeth, somebody uh, um, on the tail, on the arms. And when they had the fight with the um, uh, power loader, um, there was a hell of a... um, There there was more people than you you would expect to make this section of the film work, uh, because everybody had their job, uh, and uh, all that happened in sync. So when she swings, uh, when uh, Sigourney swings the arm and hits the head of the, uh, 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 the queen, all that had to uh, uh, be a uh, reaction for everybody within that suit. Right. Yeah, it was difficult, but uh, very uh, and,
0: satisfying. Uh, and you, you know, this, again, is, is another reason why it's, it's great to have somebody like Paul to, to come along and, and, and have a chat in connection with these type of movies, because all of this... All of this was done for real. Now that same sequence yeah, could be yeah. created in post uh, from from a CGI perspective. You know, nowadays you expect a certain level of CGI. Mm, but to yeah. say that you know, inside the Queen, you've got a number of people here, some people operating this, you've got a number of people downstairs. They've all got to be in sync together. Mm. It's extraordinary to think that, that all of that stuff was done for real. Um, now is there? there's a, a hand right in the middle there I can't is that David it is, it is David I
1: don't think I need
0: the microphone. no we can hear you from here come on ahead
1: can I just ask about your line in the opening of the living daylights it's one of my favourite parts and I want to know how you got to say that line and can you also say it for us now Ah, four years of garden for this <laughs> yes I wasn't supposed to I, I never volunteer for that sort of thing but um, John Glenn said, you can play that part. I said, I, one of the other guys, no, you're going to play that. So, yes, uh, I had to be standing there. Timothy, on, this is on um, Living Daylights. Do you remember the running, uh, when he's running down the, the uh, rock and he bumps into a guard there and that's me. And I have to fire uh, the gun at him and say, hold on, you're dead. <laughs> but to do that, All the crew lined up behind the camera, and I I had to turn around and say with a serious face, Hey, hold on, you're dead. There it is. Oh, please, please.
0: Worth every penny of the fee, right there.
1: But yes, I mean, the crew are terrible. That's why I don't like doing them. They would, they're making faces and gestures that. Trying to break you up, but I, I, I did it in the end.
0: Well, I, uh, I, I certainly want to say a, a huge thank you to Paul for coming along and doing this today. Would you would you thank Paul Weston? It's my pleasure. Thank
1: you. Thank
0: uh, you. I'd also very much like to thank the uh, the lovely people from the Prince Charles Cinema who have agreed to do all of this today, and uh, and uh, our friends, of course, from uh, Really 007. so there we go that's it uh that was a, a good turnout i hope you enjoyed that uh, half as much as uh, as i did doing it it was great fun it was a lovely little space to do it in and we will be back there i dare say in the future to do uh, another similar Q&A or something of that nature. Um, So there we go. Check the details below for the Pod Dojo Network. And, of course, check out Really007's podcast. And uh, until next time, bye for now.